Black Rock, how we doing? We are so excited about Student Ministry Sunday. I just, I love this week where we take over. And um, actually, so we don't like promote this a lot with you, not because we're afraid you won't show up. We're actually afraid that there won't be enough room in this place because these guys are awesome, aren't they? That's right. I want you to know, like, everything from the music you just heard and, like, even those intro videos and announcement videos, all done and put together by students. Um, and we just have some highly, highly talented students. Um, my name is Tim Blow, and I am the lead director of student ministries here at Black Rock. And I have the privilege of leading an amazing team uh, that gets to minister to these students um, and so many others. Um, now, I have been doing ministry now for the last 15 years, student ministry, right? I know, I know, I hear all the time, Tim, how can you be that old? I get it. Oh, wait, was it? You don't really act like you're that old. I, I don't know. Anyway, um, but I love students. I love spending time with them. I love seeing God grab a hold of their lives and, and do work in their lives. I love it when students really get it, that, that a life is best when it's lived after Jesus, a life full of joy, a life full of peace, a life um, that makes a difference in the lives of others in Jesus' name, and, and not just on a mission trip somewhere, but right here, right at home, in their schools, on their teams, in their, in their homes. And uh, I just love that. Now, these 15 years, the last 10 have been right here in Fairfield, Connecticut at Black Rock. And it's been an amazing ride. I mean, I've seen so much life change. I, I've cried a lot. I've laughed uncontrollably. I've slept once or twice. Um, but there so seems to be something that I have observed over the years that in my mind here in Fairfield County seems to be increasing. Students robbed of joy, drowned in the chaos of stress. King David, who in Psalm 31 sounds like many of the students that I meet, like many of the students and the adults in Fairfield County, here's what he says. Be merciful for me, to, to me, Lord, for I am in distress. My eyes grow weak with sorrow, my, uh, uh, my soul and body with grief. My life is consumed by anguish and my years by groaning. My strength fails because of my affliction, and my bones grow weak. Or again, in Psalm 39, surely everyone goes around like a mere phantom. In vain, they rush about. You know, David here is talking about his enemies, but in our lives, it's a lot of times us. It's this inner uh, battle that's waging between our hearts and our minds and, and what we know we should do, and yet what we feel like we're being pulled in. How many of you have ever driven on the stretch of Blackheart Turnpike between here and I-95? Anybody? Okay. I kind of have this opinion that whenever you go on that stretch of road, you are taking, you know, you're putting your life at risk, right? There's not a whole lot of patience when it comes to that road. Um, you know, most places in the country, when you are driving, you know, people wait patiently before turning onto a road or, you know, before pulling into a plaza, but not Black Rock Turnpike, no. It's almost like this idea like, 
I, I, I can't wait. I mean, if I were to wait until there's an opening, who knows if or when it'd ever get out, right? And so like, they just go. I mean, if you've been there, they'll just pull out. They'll stop all of traffic, right? And I can't tell you, there is no single road anywhere in my life where I've had to like, slam on my brakes more times and not get in an accident. It's because people just do what they want to do, right? Because they can take control of the situation because otherwise they're afraid, I don't know, that they'll I don't know, retire there? I don't know. I don't know what they're thinking. But see, I, I see students, though, I see them taking every AP class they can. They take this sport, that activity, National Honor Society, and on and on and on. And they, they do all these things because they feel like they got to get their ducks in a row, right, so that things will work out like they want them to. The, the right school, the right job, the best life. But it's not just students, it's us adults, too. We jam-pack our lives so much, setting expectations on ourselves too often because it's what we see in others around us, and we do it whether we realize that we're kind of imitating people around us or not. So even though we claim to know Jesus and claim to follow him, we seem like people who are taking our lives into our own hands, grasping on grasping for what we feel like we have to do in order to get the life that we want. But yet, if you're anything like me, if you're anything like a lot of the students I encounter, your life then becomes full of stress and chaos. We get anxious wondering, how in tarnation am I going to get everything done? God's desire for us is not for us to live lives consisting of chaos and stress, where we simply are striving to survive. But as David says further on in Psalm 39, in verse 7, But now, Lord, what do I look for? My hope is in you. God's desire for us is to thrive through living lives through hope. If you have your Bible or, or a device, please turn with me to uh, Romans chapter 15, verse 13. And that's kind of where we're going to camp a lot of today. And uh, can I tell you, I, I love the book of Romans. I love studying this book. It's what I like to call a theological candy store. I mean, there's so much great stuff, great theology here. I feel like a little kid walking into a candy store with money in hand, like, this is great, right? There's so much great stuff. And uh, so the first 11 chapters of Romans is Paul basically giving us this gold mine of theology, right? And then after that, for the next few, verses, few chapters, he goes on to kind of help us how to practically live out some of this theology that he just kind of laid before us. And, uh, but Romans 15, 13, I'm about to read, basically is conclusion to his, um, Paul's kind of word to us and how we should live, right, before he gets into his closing remarks. Here's what the verse says. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace, in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and all peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you that you love us. Thank you for the amazing students that were led us in worship and, and, and in video. And God, just thank you for them. But God, I pray here this morning, God, that you would show us that you desire for us to live lives 
of joy and peace to the hope that is found in you. I pray that your spirit would speak through me, but I pray it would speak to the hearts of those who hear. That God, we may be set free to truly live in the abundant life, the abundant hope you have for us. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm waiting for a clap. All my students clap. Anyway, um, thank you. No, 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 just, just, okay, we'll work on this. So when I say amen, you just, uh, there we go. Thank you. If you've been around us any, any, uh, uh, at all. Wow. So if we are to thrive through living through hope, where is hope found? Well, hope is found in God. May the God of hope, God is hope. It's literally a part of who he is. He doesn't inspire hope. He authors it. He is a source and the supplier of biblical hope. It originates not in our circumstances or our possibilities. It begins, ends, and rests in him alone. Just as we read earlier in Psalm 39.7, my hope is in you, is in God. But I want to make sure that we're not confused here this morning because As I just said, this is not some circumstantial feeling. This is one of the foundational aspects of our faith. It's not based upon probabilities. It's based upon promises. When the world talks about hope, it often talks about these probabilities surrounding our circumstances. You know, when a a high school student applies to certain colleges, they hope that they will be accepted. They hope they'll get a scholarship based upon their circumstances. You know, they're saying, hey, because of my academic performance, because of my extracurricular activities, because of my recommendations and my pro essay writing skills, I think I am going to, I'm hoping that I am going to get in. But see, this stands in sharp dichotomy to the hope that we find in God. Hope is not probable, but a product of God's promises. God's hope is not probable, but a product of God's promises, things that will happen, things we can hold on to, like the fact that we are not condemned in our sin, but are set free by Jesus. We are forgiven and justified through the blood of Jesus. We are being made new each and every day by the power of the Holy Spirit working in us to make us more like Jesus. There's nothing that can separate us from the love of Christ. And Jesus will one day return. And on and on I can go. But these are not possibilities. They're not probabilities. These are promises that we can rest in. So the question is, if God is our hope, what does hope look like in our lives? May the God of all hope, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. So many people around us, you know, even us, who know Jesus live lives full of stress and chaos. You know, we're trying to manage and survive all that's going on, all that life is throwing out of us, throwing at us, and there's plenty of times that we get to a place where we're wondering how in the world are we going to manage all of this? It's like, it's why schools like Staples High School in Westport created programs like the Resiliency Project to help students cope with the stresses and anxieties of school life. And I wonder, really? Like, is this what God has for us? We're just trying to cope. I don't think that's it. God's desire for us is this, to live lives filled with all joy and peace, 
I love that Paul uses that word all here, and it's not meaning that we never don't have joy or that we never experience uh, times of unrest, but this word all carries a a meaning, a connotation of of unrestricted, that that the God of hope desires to fill us and not hold back, not restrict any joy or peace from our lives. This joy or peace is, is not some kind of personality trait. It's not just a certain type of person. You know, it's not something that just resides naturally within us. It's not that person's really bubbly, so they must be really joyful. You know, it's not that person who's just super calm under tense situations. It's not that. So what is joy and peace? It's fruit. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's a fruit of submission to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's not something that is from us. It's God of hope working within us. It's the fruit of the Spirit that we see in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So what's this look like? Well, Leon Morris describes this relationship between joy and peace here in this verse. He says that joy relates to this anticipation uh, of, of seeing one's hopes fulfilled. But then peace results from the assurance that God will fulfill those hopes. You know, instead of taking control of our own lives, we need to submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit and trust the promise that God has for us. Charles Spurgeon says, peace is resting joy, and joy is dancing peace. Joy cries, Hosanna, before the well-beloved, but leans her head, of a peace leans her head on his bosom. We work with joy, and we rest with peace. So what does hope look like? Well, it's decisions for sure. You know, it's, it's us submitting ourselves to the Holy Spirit and his guidance in our life, and us listening, and not just living life and hoping God tags along. It's decisions, but it's also the lens by which we view life, the way we live life. It's joy, it's peace, and it's not a veiled thing because, see, hope is bold. Hope is bold. 2 Corinthians 3.12 says, since we have such a hope in Christ, we are very bold. See, we can live for God with boldness, Because unlike Moses, whose face uh, became radiated from having experienced the presence of God, right? But then he veiled it as it began to fade so that people wouldn't see the decline. See, for us who know Jesus, there is no decline. There is no decline in the God of hope. For as Paul goes on to say in 2 Corinthians 3, that as we live in the freedom of the Holy Spirit in submission to his control, We are transformed step by step to be more like Jesus. We experience more of him. How do we thrive? By living a life of hope. By turning to the God of hope. But how do we get it? We get it by doing it. We get it, we get hope by belief. May the God of all hope May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. See, belief is not a feeling. Our culture has cheapened, has reduced this word that we say belief to being something that's mere feeling and not a whole lot of action. 
But yet in scriptures and, and, and how God views belief is that feeling and action, they go together. They're always joined. And if we believe that God has plans for us, then we actually rest in those. Even when life is pressing in on all sides, even when things seem to be out of control, we realize, we trust that our times are in his hands. We walk in that, Psalm 31. So why should we believe? Why should we do this? Hebrews 6 says that we might have a strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us because of two unchangeable things. God does not lie, and God fulfills his promises. And because of that, we can believe and we can act. How do we get hope? We get hope by belief, by doing, and by trusting the promises of God, and by reading. We get hope by getting into God's word. Romans 15, 4, just a few verses before this, before 13, says, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. I mean, how can we know the promises that God has for us if we don't know what his word says? How can, we, uh, how can we know how God has overcome the trials and the difficulties of life? How can we know those lifelines to hold on to? How can we know what weapons we have to wield? How do we know, uh, you know the hope that we have? How do we know the truths to beat the lies? we got to get into God's Word. You know, Black Ark's been doing this awesome thing since January called the Read It, Live It campaign, Right? where we're all reading and getting into God's word together. But my guess is in a room this size, if there's a good number of you, you've gotten so far behind. And in fact, right now, you've either given up or you are just about given up. And you're like, you feel this sense of guilt. You're like, and I let God down. I feel shame. I should have done this. I don't know why I didn't. And you beat yourself down. And guys, can I tell you, that's exactly where our enemy Satan wants you. Because see, if you know Jesus, Satan can't have you. But what he would love to do is to take you out of the game. What he'd love to do is to beat you down so much that you can't live for God, that you can't experience the joy and peace that he has for you. So can I encourage you, ditch the shame, cast off that guilt, and, and, and pick up God's word now. Don't wait until BlackRock starts new, some new Bible campaign next January or something. Get into it now. What matters is that you get in God's word today and tomorrow and the next day. Let yesterday be yesterday. Today is a new day, and so will tomorrow be. Jump in. We also get hope by giving it. We get hope by giving control to the Holy Spirit. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. See, it's right here in verse 13. The power that we need in order to live lives of hope comes through the Holy Spirit. But this is so incredibly hard for us we, we need to stop taking our lives into our own hands, stop trying to craft our life to what we think would make us fulfilled and what we think would be best for us, and instead give it to the one who crafted all of creation, 
who knows us and our world better than we ever could. He's the author of life. And he desires to give you and I life abundant, abundant with hope. So hope. I, you know, I, I think being filled with joy and peace, I think that's something that everybody wants. But often, for each one of us, goes down a, t- a slightly different path to get there. Check out the story from one of our students. My name is Emily Fidelli. I'm 18 years old. I attend uh, Fusion on Tuesday nights, and I also attend Black Rock Sunday mornings. Throughout middle school, sixth, seventh, eighth grade, and into my freshman year, um, I suffered from a lot of uh, physical injuries. Sixth grade going to seventh grade, I had a very bad shoulder injury that took me out of softball. When that was over, I started playing basketball again in my seventh grade year, and I uh, developed some stress fractures in my feet, and it led to complex regional pain syndrome in my left foot. I was on crutches for a year and a half. Eventually, it got to the point where I wasn't really able to walk at all. I was in a wheelchair. I would go to school, I would go home and lay in my bed and then go to sleep. That was a hard time for me because I missed out on a lot. It took away from me being able to have like good close relationships with friends here at church and at school because I wasn't able to walk, I wasn't able to do things. So my weekends were me being in bed and it did really lead me to becoming almost depressed. Freshman year, I was sent home from the West Virginia Mission trip because of a skin infection. And it just, there was this constant like snowball effect of like bad things happening to me that were on the, like physically. And then it took such a toll on me emotionally and mentally and socially. Going into high school, I was like, all right, this is gonna be good. Like we're starting over. My mom kept saying, you know, um, God's got something big for you. He's got something big for you. And then three weeks into freshman year, I got a like a very bad concussion that took me out until January. The physical issues started to, the big ones started to kind of subside um, into my sophomore and junior year, but I did still struggle with lack of friendship and lack of confidence. When I got back to school, I was friends with some people, but they weren't the right crew, and I was definitely getting influenced by them to not really attend church as much. My sophomore and junior year, I just, I kind of secluded myself from my relationships with my friends at church and uh, from my youth group leaders and uh, pastors. And I had so much that had gone on physically, emotionally, socially, that I was victimizing myself saying, you know, God, why me? Why do you put this stuff in my life? Why are you doing this to me? Um, I texted him, I said, hey, can I talk to you before Fusion tonight? We met up 20 minutes before and I said, listen, I have been questioning Christ. I've been questioning my faith. Everything that's been going on in my life for the past, I don't know, six years is just really getting to me and I don't know if I have a faith anymore. I was really at a low point in my faith with Christ. Tim had texted me about Lead Week and I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna go. It's my last one. Lead Week is for student leaders or those who want to be student leaders at Fusion. It's more about the new people that come and the people who don't know Christ, and that's what Lead Week is for. It's like equipping you for the year. The Lord just did something that week that I can't even explain. He just truly softened my heart to what He has for me. 
I really just dove into the Word. I dove in uh, to just prayer and spending time with Him. Before lead week, I had been offered a job at Sabrina Otero's store, Joyful Noise. So I prayed about it and we were on uh, our way home from lead week and all of a sudden I felt like God was like grabbing at my heart. He's like, you need to quit your job at this restaurant. It's not doing you any good. And I went to my shift that night and I was like, listen, I need to put my two weeks in. And I walked out of there and I had this just like showering of peace. That was like the first time that I truly uh, felt and heard the Lord and me being obedient to what He had. And that was just the turning point for me. This year, I uh, was able to just create such strong friendships with my friends here at church, with my leaders, um, with people that I don't know. And God has truly blessed me with some great friends at school. Even though they don't know Christ, they're so accepting to my faith and I'm able to share with them. And God has just really blessed me with this confidence of uh, being able to share my faith and share what He puts on my heart. And I also do that through social media. So social media has definitely been an outlet of where I post uh, different things, words that God has put on my heart. The big one has been, you are enough. And that kind of took off in a way that I could never even imagine. I posted a picture and wrote this caption about how uh, girls especially are so caught up in uh, physical beauty and that if we don't look like magazine covers, you know, we're not good enough. That's so not true. You know, God has blessed us with um, the body that we have and he created us in this beautiful and perfect image. You are enough, you're more than enough, you're worth it. You are beautiful on the inside and the outside. And that was something that I put out there and I think like 30 different people followed that and put that post out there as well. Knowing that I could share uh, what Christ has put on my heart with those who are struggling, that has just uh, been such a blessing to me. Everything that I have been through has uh, created this compassion that I, uh, that I have for people who are struggling. For so long I was like, why me, why me God? But now it's like, why not me? Use me in your plan, use me in uh, what you have for this world. It's not like I, this year I've not struggled, like I, I face struggles, but the way I handle it is so much different. My friends have noticed, especially my friends at school and my teachers have noticed a difference in me this year. Some of them I'm like, listen, like this is the power of Christ. And some of them I just kind of say thank you and I kind of pray about it and I go back to them and I say, you know how you said that things, something's different about me? Well, here's what it is, it's, it's God, it's my faith in Christ. And I would have never been able to do that. I'll be honest, uh, every time, can I just have a heart-to-heart -heart for a minute? Um, I just thank God so much for the joy that he has given to me, but one of the great reasons that I have joy is not just what God has done in my own life, but when he gives hope to a student like Emily. Because see, Satan, and I know, I've had a lot of conversations with Emily over the years, I know the lies that she bought into about who she was and what was going on about who God is and how he felt about her. And to sort of see that corner being turned to see God work in her life gives me such great joy. And folks, can I just tell you that God wants to use you. 
God wants to work in you, through you, and around you to accomplish his will, to change your life and the lives of those that he has around you. He wants to use you, but yet so many times we find ourselves just weighed down so much by all this stress, all this chaos of life that we can't even see the people around us. We can't even see what God wants to do. I think Jim Burns said it perfectly. He was here in November when he spoke to BlackRock, and he said this. He said, Satan doesn't have to make you bad. He just has to make you busy. And for every joy I experience as I see students realize who they are in God and what he wants to do in their lives, my heart breaks for another student who becomes a slave to performance, a slave to busyness, a slave to acceptance, a slave to some lie that they have bought into that robs them from experiencing this all joy and peace that is found in Christ. And I know that this morning, there are adults in the exact same boat. There are many reasons and things and circumstances that might be causing stress and chaos in your life, but can I tell you that the God of hope wants to fill you with all joy and peace. And you got to believe it. And that the power of the Holy Spirit would fill you with an abundance of hope. That's what God wants for you. That's what he wants for me. And I just want to clarify something. I don't want every student leaving here and dropping all their AP classes. I don't want you, if you have a job, to go ditch your good job because it's really, you know, driving you crazy. That's not what I'm saying Maybe. What I'm saying is this. Instead of trying to take your times in your own hands, instead of trying to craft your own perfect world, will you instead place your world, place yourself into the hands of your loving Savior? Will you allow His Spirit to guide you on how you should live? And then, don't relax. That's, what this, that's not what this joy and peace is all about. It's instead a redirected focus towards the, what God would have for you and you running at that with all that you have. In fact, you should be almost more exhausted. It's like Charles Spurgeon said, we work with joy. And then we, when we're done and we lay there and we're exhausted, we rest in peace. Because can I tell you, there's no, no better thing than to be fully exhausted in the work that God has laid out for you, whatever that looks like. That may be in your schools, that may be in your job, that might be on a mission field somewhere. I don't know what that looks like for you. But what I do know for each and every one of you is that God wants to do an amazing work of hope in your life. Start thriving. Stop just surviving. You know, so there's a beautiful thing that happens here in this verse. You have this hope in the beginning, a hope at the end, and here's what happens. When we submit ourselves a little bit to we submit ourselves a little bit to God and to the Holy Spirit and allow Him to work, we begin to see the fruit of His Spirit in our lives, that joy and that peace, and that causes us to be hopeful of what God was, His promises are true. And so we give Him more and we submit more, and that raises up more hope. And it's this beautiful cyclical process. 
of some here this morning, I know that your life is full of chaos. Your life is full of anxiety and stress. And you literally, it might have been weighing into you before you walk, up until you walked in this room, maybe even as you sat here, you're distracted by all the things that are just going on in your head. Can I encourage you today, lay that before the feet of your Savior. Don't take it home. Don't stay there. There's going to be men and women and students up here in the front after the service. We'd love to pray for you. Pray with you. Now, if you're here this morning, You've never experienced hope in Christ. You've never experienced that joy and peace. Maybe it's because you don't know him. And so may I encourage you in this, that the God of hope wants to give you hope, but that hope comes through a relationship with Jesus. That's why God sent his son to this earth to die for the sins that we could never pay, to take them freely upon himself, to die and to pay for that and, to, and he rose again so that we could have life. It's a free gift. We just have to take it. And can I tell you, as Emily said, as she walked in a step of obedience, as God spoke to her and she took that step, peace filled her life. And can I tell you, as you take steps of obedience and maybe it's to come to Jesus for the very first time, your heart, even though your circumstances may not overly change, your heart will become full of peace. We want to thank you for watching and listening to our sermons online. And we hope that uh, you will be inspired to live more like Jesus through these. Please check out blackrock.org for more information about our church. Know that you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. And also uh, know that you can give uh, to BlackRock and to our ministry through PushPay, through our mobile app, and on our website. Your uh, donations and your support of our ministry allows us to have uh, these videos online and for us to impact our community.